Good morning. Welcome to the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time and hope that you are having a fantastic start to your week. We're certainly grateful to be among you guys on today. Uh, so drop down in the comment box below if you have any questions, comments, or concerns uh, that you would like to ask the True Gospel Morning Show. I'd be more than happy to try to answer any and all questions that you may have. Just remember to keep it classy in the comment box. Uh, and we are Excited to be introducing a new format for the show today. Uh, so I hope that you guys um, enjoy what we have in store for you on this morning. Uh, again, we're going to be doing uh, we're going to be doing a morning musing, and then who I'm going to follow up with what would Jesus say, um, and then we're going to have a sanctification session, a question from the chat box, and then something praiseworthy at the end of the show. So again, we just thank you for your viewership. We thank you for your comments. Thank you for the likes. Thank you for the follows. And just go ahead and drop down in that comment box below if you have any comments, questions, or concerns. And we'll be more than happy to uh, try to answer any questions that you may have on a later episode of the True Gospel Morning Show. This morning, we're going to start off a... Um, a series entitled Faith Works. So we're going to be talking about the, the works that God has given us as the believers in God um, to to improve our relationships to relationships with him, uh, to tool, retool, and to tweak and to refine our relationships with the Almighty God. And so we're grateful to be sharing this um, this with you on today and talking particularly this morning about Bible intake, uh, talking about, you know, um, Hearing God's voice through the word of God. We want to start with 2 Timothy chapter 2, starting at verse number 10. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter, no, I'm sorry, not chapter 2. Start, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting at verse number 10. Again, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter, 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting at verse number 10. It says, you, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus." All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. <clears throat> Secondly, we want to go to Psalm chapter 119. Uh, And we're going to start, if I can flip the page, pages are stuck, at verse number 9. He says in Psalm 119, starting at verse 9, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. 
Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. The last place I want to turn to um, before I go on my morning rant is Psalm 1. Psalm 1, starting at verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. M many of us, we, we take for granted the fact that God has given us these 66 books that we call our Bible. Uh, we will sometimes feel as though you know, reading the Bible is overrated and outdated. We'll sometimes feel like we know enough about God to where we don't need to, you know, study, you know, the scriptures. We'll relegate studying the scriptures to the pastors and the preachers who preach and teach to us on a daily. And we'll basically just act as if it's not necessary in the world that we live in anymore, that we're too advanced now to have to worry about studying the scriptures. Um, some of us will push scriptural study to be an academic endeavor that, you know, we're not trying to go to seminary or we're not trying to, you know, become some righteous scholar. We're not trying to climb up the ladder of, you know, religious success. And so we really won't take the time to study our Bibles. We won't take the time to open them up. Some of us, we feel like we don't need to open them up anymore because we feel like we have the, 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 the life verses that are going to be our mantras for daily living. And so we've memorized about seven or eight scriptures that fit the lives that we want to live and fit the mantras, you know, that we want to embrace. And those are the only scriptures that we ever read. Those are the only scriptures that we ever pay attention to. We only, you know, you know, um, that we ever, you know, have a, we have a connection with. You know, our tendency is to not want to have anything to do with any other pieces of scripture except the ones that we know. We build our entire lives off that whole thing. And so saying all that to say that many of us have a tendency, many of us have a tendency to not take the time to dig into our words, to, to dig into the word that God has given us for the purpose of knowing Jesus. For the purpose of knowing God. God has given us these 66 books. Genesis through Revelation. Not so that we can know. You know a whole bunch of stuff. About him. Not so that we can. You know be able to one up. One another when it comes to scholarly debates. About this that and the third. Not to be able to. Fall in line with our denominational, you know, denominational rules and codes and practices. 
but he's given us this word that we may know God, that we may have an intimate relationship with the Lord. I've said this before on the show and I'll say it again. You know, the type of knowledge that God has of us is not just about a timeline of events that are going to happen from one day to the next. God knows us so well that he's like those those people that crack jokes all the time when they say, I know my person so well, we can finish each other's sentences. You know, that's how well God knows us, that he knows us so well on such an intricate and intimate way that he knows everything about us. He knows our hang-ups, he knows our trip-ups, he knows our, our joys, he knows what makes us happy, what makes us sad, you know, he may, he knows what, you know, what, you know, makes us feel good, what makes us feel awful, like, he knows us on such an intimate level that he can pretty much predict what we're going to do because he knows us so well. He knows our hearts, he knows our souls, he knows our minds, he knows our, he knows our desires, he knows so much about us. And this is the God who has made himself known to us. During our sermon yesterday, we talked about the fact that God knows us so well, but he's also made us his friend. And by making us his friends, he is imparting to us secret and hidden knowledge. Secret and hidden knowledge that allows us the ability to be able to know God on an intimate, deep level. He allows us the ability and the opportunity to be able to know him in such a way to where we can have a deep, intimate connection and relationship with the God, with God Almighty. The creator of the universe desires to have a deep, intimate connection with us. And as such, he has given us these 66 books as an opportunity to as an opportunity to be able to get to know him on such a in such a deeper way that we don't have to relegate our relationship to what we'll, to what our pastors know about him we don't have to relegate our relationship to what our favorite preacher celebrities know about him we don't have to relegate our relationship to what you know our favorite gospel artists you know know about him we can actually get to know him ourselves we can have a deep intimate relationship with him ourselves so he gives us these books not just to sit down and just 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 memorize scripture that's where the pharisees screwed up the pharisees knew genesis through you know malachi like the back of their hands as it says in um in second timothy chapter 2 um continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings back in back in um you know Paul's day and in in Matthew and Mark and Luke's day you know they would go through a bible basically like a bible cl- a bible um class from elementary all the way through middle school where they learned and memorized Genesis through Malachi and whoever could muster up you know learning the whole thing and then be able to interpret it accordingly those were the ones who were given, you know, the the deeper the deeper knowledge and the deeper wisdom about God, and um and and been and able to move on to rabbinical school and all those sorts of things. So they knew the the Pharisees and the Sadducees knew Genesis through Malachi, but they didn't know they didn't know God, and they didn't know God to where when Jesus shows up, they couldn't see him for who he really was, and what a sad testament to have so much Bible knowledge but to not know God, 
to be able to quote scripture from one way to another, but not know Jesus. To, you know, be able to be, had to have an intimate, to not have an intimate, deep relationship with the Lord to where you are walking in lockstep with him, where we're delighting in him, where we desire to know his word and desire to know his way. To be like the psalmist says in Psalm 119, when he says, this page always wants to get stuck. How can a man keep his way pure? By guarding it with according to your word. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips, I declare all the rules of your, of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. This man was so happy to learn about God, to learn about God's rules because in learning about God's rules and his ways, he got to know the heart of God. And in knowing the heart of God, he delighted himself in God. That is the point of the scriptures. The point of the scriptures is not just to memorize a bunch of do's and don'ts to memorize a bunch of rights and wrongs, but it is to get to know a God that created the entire universe in, on an intimate and deep level. And the more that we study the word, the more that we study his precepts, the more that we study, study his commandments, the more that we study, you know, how he, how his, um, his, how he's, how his relationship with Israel, you know, was met, was manifest throughout history. And then, then, you know, when Jesus coming on the scene and Jesus rising, you know, dying and rising again, imparting the Holy Spirit upon us so that we can now carry out his will. We're getting to see the character and the nature of the divine, the character in the, in the nature of the almighty God, God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Spirit. And how their relationship is um, is reflected. Their relationship, we reflect their relationship as we are moving forward in um, in our walk with Him. The more, the deeper that we are, you know, connected in God. The more that we delight in Him, and the more that we delight in Him, the more we seek His Word. The more we seek his word, the more we know about him. The more we know about him, the more, the more we delight in him. The more we delight in him, the more we seek his word. And that is why he calls himself the living water. The water that never runs dry. That we can constantly run to and drink from anytime we are thirsty. For it says, those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, they shall be filled. It's why he calls himself the bread of life. That if we eat of him, we will never go hungry again. Our souls are hungry. Our souls are thirsty. And God has given us in bountiful supply so much of him that we can never exhaust the knowledge and the wisdom and the understanding of God. But God is saying that that understanding and that knowledge and that wisdom, it's not supposed to stop at the wisdom and the knowledge and the understanding. It is to roll up to a love and a devotion and a worship to the almighty God. That the more that we learn about God and his word, the more we hear God's voice, the more we see his ways, the more we understand his patterns and his ticks. And as a result, we delight ourselves in the Lord. 
and in delighting ourselves in the Lord, he promised us he would give us the desires of his of our heart, which is more of him, which is delighting in him, which is, you know, again, teaching, uh, which is teaching us his way in the in teaching us his ways and teaching us his precepts, we learn to love him, learn to delight in him, learn to fellowship in him, and to love him in such a way to where people will know that we are his disciples by the love that we have, not just for him, but for one another. God is telling us in the word today that we, the believers in God, cannot take Bible intake for granted. It is not to say that we have to have whole books memorized, but we should know enough of our word to know God. We should know no we should know more, we should know enough about our word that we know God. It's not about memorizing scripture. And it's not about reading our favorite Bible verses and stamping them on our chest as our as our um as our keepsakes, you know, for how we want to live our lives. But rather, through the study of the word, we are getting to know God. Jackie Hill Perry um, said, said something to that effect. Um, and I'm going to see if I can pull it up so that you guys can hear it. Um, in one, in, um, on, her glory to, on her glory conference um, not too long ago. And I'm going to pull it up and see if I can play it for you guys today. for what you do with the information you have. God, when he died for you, he died so you can know him. He didn't die for you to play church. He, he died for you to know him. He hasn't given you his word as a means of entertainment. He's, he's given you his word so you can know him. He hasn't given you a church so you can be in the in crowd. He's given you a church so you can know him. He hasn't even given you gifts so you can flex and feel good about yourself either. And even in ministry, he's given you your gifts so you can help other people know him. He wants you to know him. Some of you sit under teaching all the time and your life is still the same. You're still envious. You're still covetous. And that's not to say that you aren't in Christ. But it is to say, if you are still walking in a way that is merely human, you need to be concerned. Because we have to steward our life with God. And that's why the psalmist says in Psalm 1, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on the law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff, but like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the wicked, the way of the wicked will perish. 
for most, for many of us, we underestimate reading our Bibles because we think of it as just a, an academic pursuit. But just as Jackie Hill Perry says, he gives us this word. He gives us our churches. He gives us gospel music. He gives us pastors and preachers and teachers and evangelists and prophets and apostles so that we can know him. It's not about trying to rise up ladders and trying to flex of, you know, how, how gifted we are. It's about getting to know a true and living God, a true and living Savior who saved us from our sins and credited us his righteousness so that we can be called the children of God, that we may be called righteous, that we may be called free, and to revel in what Christ has done for us. We're not reading these scriptures just to play around and act like we know more than other people because, quite frankly, we can't know enough about God. You know, there's too much to know. And most of our scholars who've read these Bibles back and forth and have studied and gotten degrees and all this stuff and are teaching on regular, they probably know scripture better than most of us. You know, however, is their knowledge of God enough for them to know him? Their knowledge of the scriptures, is it enough for them to know him? That's why we read. That's why we meditate on this word. That's why we, 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 we spend the time and the energy and the effort to dig into our Bibles, even if it's just a little bit at a time, because it helps us to get to know God. It helps us to get to know the Savior. It helps us to get to know the one who saved our souls, the one who has made us whole again. As I've said many times before, we can't be fully human without the Lord, for he placed eternity in our hearts. And the only thing that can fill eternity is something eternal. And he is the only one who is eternal enough to fill the void of our souls and make us fully human again. We're all broken in need of a savior to fill us, to restore us, to replenish us and to revive us, to be the people of God that he's called us to be. And as a result, God is saying to us, if I give you my heart, and I pour my spirit in you, then it will cause you to want to love me. It'll cause you to have a desire for me. And in that desire, it should drive us into the word. It should drive us into our scriptures. It should drive us into recognizing and understanding and unpacking these texts so that we can get to know God. It's not about trying to know and one up one another. It's not about trying to be able to debate and argue with the best of them. It's not about trying to, you know, make people feel like, you know, or, or try to get unbelievers to, to try to, you know, trap them or them trap us. It's about us getting to know God and having a deeper and intimate relationship with him to where we are planted like trees at the river that are yielding fruit in, our, in its right season. That we are always drawing from the well that never runs dry. That we're always partaking of the bread that multiplies time after time after time after time to give us more of him. Give us more of his love. Give, him, give us more of his grace. Give us more of his thanksgiving. Give us more of his, of his, um, of his blessings. To give us more of his, you know, to give us more of, give us, just give us more. 
more of him. That is what we, you know, when he says, asking ye shall be given, seeking ye shall find, knocking the door shall be opened, for what good father withholds gifts from his children, how much more will God then give to us his spirit, that we can have the spirit of God, that we can have more and more of God every single day. The more that we, you know, dig into the word, the more that we dig into the scrolls, the more that we unpack and understand everything that God would have for us to unpack and understand. Again, as it says in 2 Timothy, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And sometimes that good work is simply just knowing God more. Sometimes that work is just being able to sit just to sit and know the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for us. To taste and see that the Lord is good. To know that he is so freaking amazing that he's done more for us than we could ever do for ourselves. And we can delight ourselves in him in such a way to where when the, when the, when the storms of life are raging all around us, we have the peace of God that surpasses all understanding that guards our hearts through Christ Jesus. That when the, though the weapons may form and that the weapons may hurt, they won't prosper when it comes to our soul salvation. Because we know in who we're anchored in. That while the storms of life are raging, we can have peace like Jesus did so much to where we are asleep in the storm. Knowing God's got this. God is in control. That we can be like the Israelite nation that though they were terrified, they walked confidently on the dry ground. Because, you know, when Moses, by the power of God, parted the Red Sea, he was they were able to walk on the dry ground. And that dry ground represents the, 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 the ransom that Christ has paid for us. That we have peace with God. That he would think enough of us to rescue us from sin, to rescue us from darkness, to rescue us from the situations and the circumstances that were keeping us trapped and bound in darkness. That that is the God that we worship today. That is the God that we love. That is the God that we believe in. That is the God that we are so grateful for. And that is the God that we're constantly reaching out toward to try to touch the hem of his garment that our souls may find its healing. There are many of us today who take who take Bible intake lightly. We don't spend time in the word. We don't spend time talking to God. We don't spend time delighting in God. We don't take time to really get to know the God of the scriptures. The only time we crack our Bibles open is if we're at church, you know, or if we're, you know, or if we got something to do for the church, whether it be teaching or preaching or whatever the case is. But how many of us are delighting in God to where we are just studying the scriptures because it's where we get to know God best. We, 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 we can, you know, we pray, we meditate and all those things, but the best place to get to know your God, the best place to get to know our God is through the lived, breathed word of God through the Holy Spirit that through 66 books, 30-something different authors was able to breathe out what he wants us to know about him. So if you want to get to know your God, 
simply get to know your word for by getting to know your word you will get to know your god and in getting to know your god it will make you hunger and thirst for more of his word more of his way more of the things that he would have you to know and to love about him you're watching the true gospel morning show right here on tiktok live we're with you monday through friday 6 a.m to 8 a.m eastern standard time certainly thankful for the 53 likes that we have received thus far thankful for every person who is on the live and every person who has commented and shared and liked and followed thus far if you have missed any part of this message or would like to listen to any past episodes feel free to stop by uh, Spotify and Apple Podcasts and follow the uh, and subscribe to the True Gospel Morning Show, the podcast. And um, any gifts that you give to this pod will go straight to the True Gospel Ministry. It's not going to me. I make my own money, pay my own bills, got my own job. But any money that you do give will go in support of the the websites that we have up and sub the subscriptions to the podcast um, that we put up every morning. So um, thank you so much. We'll be right back after this. watching the true gospel morning show with your boy eddie d right here on tiktok live we're with you monday through friday 6 a.m to 8 a.m eastern standard time right here on tiktok uh we're gonna um be doing a new segment on our show entitled what would jesus say um it's when we take a new story um read the story and then talk about the the story through the lens of the gospel of jesus christ and so um as our first story we want to talk about um, this came from, uh, from Chandelise, I hope I'm saying it right, um, Chandelise Duster, 
uh, she wrote a story coming out of Texas on Friday the 13th, or updated it on Friday the 13th. A Texas student suspended for length of his locks hairstyle, um, and he was referred to an alternative school. A black Texas high school student who has been suspended for more than a month over the length of his locks hairstyle has been referred to an alternative school, according to a notice sent to his mother from his school principal and obtained by CNN. Daryl George, 18, will be placed in a disciplinary alternative education program known as an alternative school through November 29th, the notice said. The letter, signed by Barbers Hill High School Principal Lance Murphy, cites violations for multiple infractions of campus and classroom rules, including disruption of ISS classroom, failure to comply with directives from staff administration, violation of tardy policy, and violation of the dress and grooming policy. It says, as the school principal, I have determined that your child has engaged in chronic or repeated disciplinary infractions that violate the district's previously communicated standards of student conduct, Murphy writes in the notice. The decision to send George to an alternative program is the latest escalation in a legal fight over whether the teenager's locks hairstyle, which he often wears in braids or a ponytail, is a violation of the school's district's dress code, which places limitations on how long a male student's hair can be. School officials had previously warned George and his family that continued violation of the dress code would result in a referral to an alternative program, CNN previously reported. George, the George family refuses to cut the teen's hair and argues the district's policy is a violation of the Texas Crown Act, a law which prohibits discrimination on the basis of hairstyles commonly associated with race. Last month, George and his mother, Darisha, filed a federal civil rights lawsuit against Texas Governor Greg Abbott, the state's attorney general, and school officials for allegedly failing to enforce the law. George will be allowed to return to class on November 30th, according to the notice. But the notice also states the family will not be able to appeal the referral to an alternative school. The letter cites the Texas Education Code, which states, if the period of placement in the alternative education program does not extend beyond 60 days, the decision is final. Greg Poole, superintendent of the Barbara Hills Independent School District, told CNN that um, George was not referred to an alternative school because of his hair. Confidentiality does not allow us to disclose the infractions that caused his current disciplinary placement, but it was unequivocally not because of his hair, he said. Ali Booker, an attorney for George and his family, called the move retaliation for the family's ongoing legal dispute with the school district. On Wednesday, a judge in the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of Texas denied a motion filed by the Barbers Hill Independent School District to remove the case from federal court, according to the court documents. Quote, today they filed a motion to pull the case out of federal court and the judge struck the motion for noncompliance with court rules. So they retaliated by putting Daryl in D-A-E-P, Booker said, referring to the alternative school. The district officials denied Booker's claim, saying that administrators do not intend to enhance the current disciplinary action against the student for the ongoing violation of its grooming policy, pending the court's ruling on whether the district's policy is legal. Candace Matthews, a spokesperson for the family and a civil rights activist, told CNN George feels horrible about the referral but plans to show up for the program tomorrow. She also said George still does not plan to cut his hair. The 18-year-old has been serving in school, suspension, in school suspension since August 31st because of the length of his locks, 
according to the court documents. Um, on Thursday, Barbers Hill Independent School District reiterated the district's dress code allows students to wear locks, but places limitations on the length of hairstyles for male students. Um, so a lot has been um, said over the day, over the years in regards to, um, you know, you know, black, black people and their hairstyles. Um, a lot has been done in trying to allow people to have the opportunity to be able to be free to wear their hair however they want to. Um, the, the Crown Act um, was specifically designed, um, you know, in particular thinking about, give me a second, plug this in. I'm a little chilly. Um, thinking about women in particular and thinking about how for a lot of a lot of them, you know, they don't get the opportunity to be able to wear their hair the way that they want to, that they have to change their hairstyles, you know, in order to fit a, um, a, a mandate at work, that they have to change their hairstyles in order to, you know, be able to get a leg up in the workforce to be able to, you know, interview well. They don't want to appear to have any type of ethnic you know, um, you know, um, rootings and as a result be discriminated against because of the way that they wear their hair, that people are, you know, so quick to want to say their hairstyles are great and all, but when it comes to actually get, be, becoming parts of boardrooms or CEOs or mid-level execs or even entry level, you know, that a lot of times they are judged based upon their hairstyle, judged based upon how they, what they, what they, what the crown of their heads look like. And so, you know, things like the Crown Act should not even exist. You shouldn't have to have a law that protects you from being from being discriminated against because of how you wear your hair. And yet you have people in power who want people that look like them so badly that if they see even an ounce of something that does that looks other than them, they don't want anything to do with them. And that by 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 and large is a consequence of sin. A consequence of the fall where we judge people based upon how they look we judge people based upon how they act we judge people based upon where they live we judge people based upon the education or the status that they hold and as a result we will withhold opportunities and withhold you know our ability to put people in places that they that they truly belong that they've earned that they have you know risen the ranks to get to all in an attempt to keep things the way that we want them to be. I was watching a show called New Amsterdam the other day, and um, one of the guys who runs the um, one of the runs one of the divisions in the hospital um, is a black guy, and he said that for too long, you know, women and particularly women of color have not been able to rise up in the ranks of the hospital because of people who have been in those seats who basically, you know, were, um, were, were white or Caucasian and they wouldn't give, you know, people of color or, you know, women an opportunity to be able to rise up in the ranks themselves. And he said, now that I'm in this seat, you know, I'm going to give everybody a chance, but I'm definitely going to give women of color, women of color and, and women in particular an opportunity because they don't get a chance to flex. And we men ought to be, in, if we're going to be in these seats, we need to give everybody an equal, an equal footing in this place because there are women who can do this job just as good, if not better, than me. And I want them to be able to have an opportunity. 
And if, and if, and if I'm in this seat, I should use the power that I have to put some, to put other people in this place so that we can be more diverse, that we can have more voices in the room. It shouldn't take a crown act in order for a person to be able to wear their hair the way that they want to wear their hair. It shouldn't take, you know, you know, anti-discrimination laws in order for people to act right and to allow people to be able to get jobs and to, you know, hold titles and to, you know, do things that they have the ability to do, not because of their skin color or their tone or whatever, but because of the intellect or the prowess or the study or whatever that they've done in order to get to where they have gotten to in their lives. It shouldn't take, you know, again, us having to establish rules to get man to act right. And that is why we as the believers in God recognize this is a consequence of the fall. That we've been doing this since Adam and Eve. Ever since ever since the, the bite of the apple and sin broke this universe, we've been discriminating against one another. Whether it's, you know, whether it's we're discriminating outside of our own outside of our race or even if we're discriminating within our race, if we're discriminating, you know, based on, you know, biases of the sexes, you know, if we're discriminating because of how the person's sexual, you know, orientation, or we're, you know, discriminating based upon, you know, personal preference. Like, we all have these personal biases that we are carrying with us, and if we don't check them by the power of God, we will find ourselves discriminating against people who we have the power to help, who we have the power to, to empower, that power that probably have the power to empower us if we would give them the opportunity. But by and large, we find that as the believers in God, we should this should be a rallying cry for us. That we should not, you know, allow things like this to, to continue to just happen and just be silent. I'm not saying that we need to go and go rah-rah and go ham on things, but we should look at situations like these and ask ourselves the question, how can I be a part of the solution and not continue to perpetuate the problem? Because just because someone's hair, you know, hair is a certain length should not discriminate them from being able to go to school. You know, you know, they should have conversations be like, why are we saying that a person's hair has to be a certain length? Who made this rule up? Where did this rule come from? Is this a safety issue? Like, what's, what's happening in this space to where, you know, we're discriminating based upon the person's hair length? Where did this come from? Like, so what are we saying? Like, we, we're not a lot. So, you know, how far down or how far up, you know, should we allow, you know, um, a person's hairstyle to be? You know, how, how, you know, what's going on, you know, to where we feel as though we're not able, you know, to allow a person to have their hair be worn a at a certain length? Like, what, what's going on in that space? Like, is it that we allow this one person or these two people to be, be the arbiters of, you know, hairstyles for an entire generation of people that are going to come up in this school? When, when, why did we allow them this opportunity to be able to say, you know what, I don't like hair that, that's long. I don't, like, I don't like that hair has to be that long, that, that long. We should have the hair be shorter. Where was that coming from? Why, where, why would, where were the conversations to be had about things like that? And so again, we say we're asking those questions because a lot of times we don't give ourselves the opportunity to really sit down and have the hard conversations about where you're getting your perceptions from. Where are you getting your ideas from? Where are you getting your beliefs from? Where are you getting your mantras from? And is it possible for you to have a more open mind that, guess what? Just because you don't like things a certain way doesn't mean that your way is the way. 
and and figuring out where are those things where are those mantras coming from and again if it's coming from a discriminatory place we as the believers have to remember that you know racism sexism bigotry hatred all that all those things are stemming from sin that we can't cure race racism just by putting somebody in the, in a diversity class a class on this diversity is not going to cure the, the problems of the heart it's going to take a deeper work than that that it's going to take more than just giving giving you know inclusion training to cure the the to cure the 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 ails of the heart no matter how many diversity training classes you take no matter how much inclusion classes you take if a person's going to have hatred in their heart they're going to have hatred in their heart because that's a sin problem a sin problem that only God can cure a sin problem that only God can fix a sin problem that only God can pierce the heart of that person and help them understand if you can at the end of the day it's not going to change a person's heart they're going people are going to find a reason to hate and if it's not one thing it's something else just as jazzy is saying down in the comment box below you know you can pass all the laws you want to but it's not going to change the heart take you you pick any any issue that that is on that is on the horizon today and at the end of the day, it always stems back to the same issue. It's an issue of the heart. And only God can fix that space. Only God can transform that heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh and give people the heartbeat of God that helps them to navigate these spaces in a much more um, in a much more harmonious way. We, the believers in God, when we see things like this, you know, bless this child, he didn't have to... You know, he shouldn't have to have gone through something like that where he can't go to school over his hair. As I promise you, there's probably somebody at that school who's more of a, a Caucasian perplexion and has got, you know, and got the straight hair and probably has the hair down the same length and ain't nobody said a word. Ain't nobody said a thing. But the second that this this kid with locks has his hair reach a certain point, now they want to they want to play by the rules. They want to play by the book. And so again, saying all that to say, you know, where you know if, if this if this is really that big of a deal, really that big of an issue, let's tackle the why. Why is it so bad for this child to have his hair to be down a certain length? And I know he's 18. I mean, he's pretty much a man, but he's still, you know, in high school. So I consider him a child till he graduates. So that's just that's just me. That's how I that's how I roll with that. Um, but you know, where you know he can't participate in school activities, got to go to an alternative school over some hair. Now he says, he says the, the school said that it ain't got nothing to do with the hair. And that it was about some disruptive behavior that he was that he was showing out, you know, um, during ISS and things. And if that's the case, then you know, okay. But we still got to remember where all this originated from. Can you? I mean, can you imagine not being able to go to school? Can you imagine not being able to, you know, hang out with your friends? Can you imagine not being able to spend time with your people because you're suspended over your hair? Like, I'm pretty sure I'd be upset too. And it should be incumbent upon the, the, the adults in the room to be able to have a better nuanced discussion about why hairstyles are, 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 you know, are being the decision makers of whether a child should be able to walk through the, 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 walk through the hallways, to sit down in class. Who is he distracting? Who is he disrupting? 
Who is he? Who is he bothering? Now it's one thing if he's sitting there playing with his hair all day, like, uh, 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 like all day every day. Now if you if you're doing all that, we may need to go have a conversation. Like, bro, okay, okay, we get it. Okay, you got bomb.com locks. Can we pay attention and figure out what this calculus problem instead of sitting here watching you flap your hair in the wind all day? But again, nine times out of ten, if if he's if he's not got a, if this problem is not that big of a, if if he, if he's just wearing a hairstyle and he's coming to class he's doing his homework he's you know showing up he's paying attention he's doing the things he needs to do why is it that big of a deal why is it that big of a deal that he can't go to class regular school why does he have to now go to alternative school in order to finish out you know his you know his sentence. As regards to the hairstyles that he that, that he has, because I promise you, what they're not gonna do is cut his hair. They're, they're gonna they're gonna dig their heels in the sand, and they're gonna say, "No, we're not cutting the hair." Now, as I'm saying that, something else does come to mind. Even though the rule is dumb, even though the rule is dumb, and it sounds like I'm gonna be talking out of both sides of my mouth, so just hear me. Even though the rules are dumb. Stupid AF. At the same time, we also have to ask the question: What is my is my hair length worth all of this? In terms of going through the motions and doing the things that I have that that, that we that 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 they're going through right now. Now, for me, I believe it is. You know, absolutely, it's worth it because you could show nobody have any kind of control of your hair. But that is a question that I'm sure the parents have had to ponder and that sometimes we have to ponder too. Is me wearing my hair the way that I want to worth going through all this trouble? Again, for me, heck yeah, it is worth it because it's my hair, doggone it. I wear it how I want to wear it. As long as I ain't disrupting nobody, ain't discriminating toward nobody, I can do. I ought to be able to do what I want to do. Um, but a lot of times when we buck up against rules like that, they, you took the words right out of my mouth, Jazzy, yes. It's not. It's about the principle and not about the hair. It's about the fact that you are discriminating against me in this place. So I'm saying that to say in a larger space, when we're when we're talking about our futures, when we're talking about when we're talking about the things that we want that we that we want in life, we often we will often ask ourselves the question: Should I compromise? That's what I'm, I know my brain was trying to go somewhere. It's like where where where's my brain going with this? So thank you, Holy Ghost. Should I compromise in order to get along? Um, I'm reminded of the example of um, of Mishael, Hananiah, and Azariah. We know them as the Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The 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 um the, the um the king had created this statue. Or the people had created a statue for this king. And when the trumpets blew, everybody was supposed to bow down to this statue. Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael, they, they're not bowing down. They, 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 they worship God. They're not worshiping the king. And of course, the people see them, the officials see them. Oh my God, they're not praying down. They're not bowing down when the trumpets sound. King, you should do something to do. Throw them in the furnace. And... You know, he tells them, I'm going to blow the trumpet. Are you going to bow? And they say, we worship God and God only. So you blow the trumpet all you want to. We're not going to bow down to that statue. Throw us in the furnace if you need to. We have enough sense to know that God can rescue us from that fire if he chooses to. 
But even if he doesn't, remember on this day, we didn't bow down to you. And as a result, they're thrown into the furnace and God rescues them by them being unscathed. Um, even one of the, oh, the, the officials, you know, was burned up because they made the thing a billion times hotter than it was before. Um, and, though, and his own officials got burnt up. Um, some of the officers got burnt up, but they stayed alive. And the king said, I, I, I felt like I saw an angel. I, saw, I feel like I saw the Lord down there. You know, I threw in three, I saw four. You know, and they came out unscathed, unburned, the, whole, the clothes, the whole nine. Nothing was burned um, off of them. And that is the type of faith that God wants us to have when it comes to standing up for our principles, standing up for our morals, standing up for our beliefs, standing up for what we know to be true. For a lot of us, we are willing to compromise and capitulate on what we know to be true for the sake of what, if for, for the sake of staying, for, for falling in line, for just, you know, for towing the line. And God is calling us today to say, are you going to compromise on the word? Are you going to compromise on who I made you to be? Are you going to compromise on me for the sake of just staying in line? For the sake of just, you know, towing the line? You know, because for a lot of us, we have this tendency to just stay silent. We won't say anything. We won't say a word. We won't speak out. We won't say this is wrong. Instead, we just toe the line or we cut our hair or we, you know, do whatever we have to do knowing this ain't right. This isn't fair. This isn't just. And as a result, in order to maintain our status, maintain our finances, whatever it is that we that we're trying to keep, you know, trying to keep our jobs, trying to keep our homes, trying to keep the bills, the lights on and all that, we won't say a word. To keep our reputations, you know, how often are we looking to celebrities to be like, are you going to speak out against this or speak out against that? And they won't say a word because they know the sooner, the sooner they say something, the sound bite's going to go viral. They're going to lose all their followers. They're going to lose endorsements. They're going to lose their, um, their, their contracts and everything else in between all because they stood up for something. And so, again, we got to ask ourselves the question, is the kingdom worth trinkets and toys is the kingdom worth our worth worth our reputation jesus himself made himself of no reputation lived a life that we couldn't live what and despised the shame and the ridicule that he went through to get on the cross die for our sins and rise again how much more should be we should we be concerned about our own reputations when it comes to standing up for what's right? When it comes to standing up for what's just. We applaud the parents of this of this child who said, you know, I'm not we're not going to let we're not gonna let this we're not gonna let this slide. No. You you just you're suspending our child over hair length. No, we're not. We're not. We're not allowing that to happen. We're not. We're, this, this is not. This is not right. It's not fair. This goes against everything you know that you, that that the, that the Texas government itself stands for in the Crown Act that they created. And as a result, you know they're not backing down off of that principle. In the same way, we should be willing to stand in the gap and stand in the fray, and be able to say, "I'm I'm standing up for what's right." Even if it costs me reputation, even if it costs me, you know, whatever. If I'm going to suffer, as Paul, as Peter says, 
in First Peter chapter, I think it's in chapter 4. Yep. Oh, it says it in 3 and 4. First Peter chapter 3, starting at verse 8. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, for, this, for to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord who is against but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey, when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels and authorities and powers heaven being subjected to him. Chapter 4, verse 12. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glory in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? If the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and of the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing God. Um, Justin Sanders, yes, I do take questions. I just may not answer them today. Um, so if you write your question down, I'll write it down. And then on a future episode of the show, I'll be happy to answer it. Um, I got a bunch of questions in the queue right now that we're going through and answering as we speak. Um, 
And so, again, at the end of the day, we, the people of God, have to be ever so careful and ever so mindful that we, as the believers in God, as the people of God, as the Christians that God has called us to be, we have to be ever so careful that we are willing to stand in the frame, that we are able to get in that, get in that box and um, be willing to do what is required of us as it pertains to standing up for what is right. That it should not matter whether we, you know, whether we gain or whether we lose, that we're standing up for what is right. For if we are standing up for what is right, we can, we can be the people of God that God has called us to be and do the things that he's called us to do. We have to be ever so careful and ever so mindful that as the believers in God, we are willing to stand up for people, that we're willing to stand up for principle, that we're willing to stand up for what we know to be true. And be willing to speak out with a bold voice when we see things that are not right. When we see things that are not fair. To be able to, with kindness and with gentleness, find ways to be able to stand up for what we know to be true. And to speak whenever we need to speak. To not back down just because we fear what may happen. We got to remember, Paul said to himself, what can man do to me? Kill me? Oh, that means I get to be with Jesus. I, to lit, who I, sometimes I'm confused. I don't know whether I want to go ahead and, you know, have them get it over with, go ahead and execute me now, or whether I want to stay here and try to wait my days out as long as I possibly can. Because if I'm here, I'm doing, I'm doing stuff for the Lord. If I'm gone, I'm with the Lord. I don't, I don't know which one to, um, I don't know which one to, um, to choose. And so, you know, whether to live as Christ and die as gain. So I don't know, you know. But at the end of the day, whether, whether I'm here, whether I'm with the Lord, you know, I'm in the Lord. And as a result, what can man do to me? Death, where's your sting? Can't do nothing to me. I'm, I get to be with Jesus. Okay. And so, again, we if, we're, if we, the people of God, truly do believe in him, then when we see things like what happened with this whole dreadlock situation, we got to be willing to stand in that fray, stand in that gap and say, and toe that line, hold that line and say, no, no, you, this, this, we, 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 no, you, you cannot allow this to happen. And regardless of the retaliation, regardless of what's happening, regardless of what they choose to do as a result of that, we don't back down. And it's not because we're trying to be, um, you know, troublesome, not, be, but oftentimes what is it? You, it usually takes somebody getting into a little bit of trouble in order for, you know, in order for things to happen. Look at Jesus. He had to disrupt an entire religious system in order to, in order to save our souls and to bring, to usher into us the, you know, his spiritual reign. And as a result, if Jesus had to flip some tables over every now and then, how much more should we stand up for what is right um, whenever we find, the, find ourselves in a situation where something is going terribly wrong you're watching the true gospel morning show with your boy eddie d right here on tiktok live we're with you monday through friday 6 a.m to 8 a.m eastern standard time uh we are so grateful for the 576 likes that we have received today we're grateful for every gift that you have given on today jazzy i see you. you've been giving gifts and i'm certainly appreciative of that um any gift that you do give to the true gospel ministry goes straight to the ministry it does not go to me um, and it goes to help our subscriptions and our website stay up and alive on online for you guys. 
Um, if you have missed any part of this message or want to listen to past episodes, you can go to Spotify and Apple Podcasts right now and look up the True Gospel Morning Show, the podcast. Hit that follow and hit that subscribe, and you'll have all access to every episode that we've had from inception to now. Again, you're watching the True Gospel Morning Show. We'll be right back in just a moment. Watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Certainly grateful again for the 577 likes that we have received today. Keep those likes coming. Certainly grateful for every follow, every share, every comment that you guys are putting down in the comment box. And I promise you, I see everything that you guys are saying. So don't feel like I'm ignoring you. But again, I have a running list of things that I wanted that I that I have that of questions that people have asked and so we're rolling down that list as the days roll on uh, but again we have a new format that we are um, testing out today uh, for the true gospel morning show and we are now in the sec the section um, the segment called sanctification session um, and in this session um, in this segment we talk about um, different, you know, clients that I've talked to in therapy, um, and talk about the different issues that they've had that they've that we've come across, and ways in which the gospel can address those issues. So basically, taking you know situations and circumstances and applying the gospel to our daily lives. Um, I wanted to be able to give us an opportunity to be able to kind of talk more about you know the issues that we that we struggle from one day to the next, and how the gospel can how the gospel sanctifies us, how we walk out our faith from one day to the next. Um, and so I thought it appropriate to at least, um, you know, bring in some issues that are coming, that are coming through the therapy box, 
Um, and again, if you have any questions or concerns, any therapy questions that you may have for me, because I am a licensed marriage and family therapist, been licensed for um, about good six years now. Um, so if you have any questions or concerns therapeutically, feel free to hit that comment box below um, with those same questions. And again, in a future episode, we'll definitely ask any of those questions, um, answer any of those questions that you may have. And so feel free to get, drop down in that box below for that as well. <clears throat> Today, um, I want to talk to you guys about a, um, a, a couple who were dealing with some communication issues and it led to them not being able to um, have sex uh, for the past four years of their relationship. Um, this guy that I was talking that I was talking to in therapy came through and he said that, you know, um, you know, my, my girl and I, um, you know, we had gotten together. She was a virgin. I wasn't. And, you know, we tried to have um, sex and, you know, basically it wasn't all that great down there, um, you know, for her in terms of her precipitation. You know, I'm trying to keep it PG so I don't get banned off the tickety talk. Um, and it created it created created a painful experience for him. Um, and so um, in, in, in being painful for him, it was also pain, a little painful for her. Um, they tried it again. And the same, same old, the same thing. And as a result of that, you know, he basically didn't want to, you know, participate in intimacy with her anymore. Um, they tried it a few more times over the course of the past, few, you know, uh, four or five years. And it just wasn't, the math wasn't mathing. And he couldn't get out of his head the fact that, you know, that, you know, she just was too, you know, dry or tight or whatever and he felt like he couldn't he couldn't get himself to even conjure up wanting to you know participate in it she asked him if something was wrong and he would not tell her he would not tell her what was going on down there mind you again she this was his this was her first experience her first person that she had ever had sex with and so she only knows what she's heard from other people she don't know much of anything outside of may, what she may have watched or anything she may have studied on her own gone to doctors or anything of that sort and as a result you know for four years he never said anything to her he just said okay we can try this or we can try that we can try this we can try that i'll do better i'll be better i'll do better i'll be better but he never said to her what was going on you know what what was really happening down there for her that was causing him to not want to have it with her, not want to have it um, with her. So eventually, he finally capitulated and said, "Well, you know, when we first tried it, you know, you weren't really precipitous down there, and as a result, like I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't perform. You know, it was too painful." And she was like, "This whole time, that was that's been the issue. You you kept that from me for four years." You know, I'm over here thinking, you know, maybe you want somebody else or maybe you like somebody else or maybe you want to be with somebody else or maybe you're thinking about somebody else and that's why you don't want it or, you know, that, you know, maybe, you know, you're broken or something like you had me believing this whole time that, you know, it might have been, you know, either in the incident. I've been so insecure in myself because I thought I wasn't making, I wasn't attractive enough for you or anything like that. And this whole time, it's because of, you know, it's because of a bodily issue. Why didn't you say anything to me? Because I didn't want to hurt your feelings. I didn't want to make you feel bad. I didn't want to, you're making me feel bad now because you kept it from me for four years. 
Like you didn't trust me. You didn't love me enough to know. I mean, you love me enough to want to get with me, but to want to sleep with me. But you didn't love me enough to tell me that I might have been the problem. Do you know how many, how much I could have tried to fix that, and we could have knocked that out? Now, now I've got super insecurities because if you ain't telling me about that, what else aren't you telling me about? And so now it's created this spiral of insecurity and lack of communication between the two of them to where now he's coming to see me and saying to me, I feel like I need to fix this. I feel like I need to fix the problem. I feel like I need to fix the issue. The issue's still with me. I said, brother, the only issue you had was that you didn't talk. That's it. So I bring that up to talk to us today. How many of us are struggling in our relationships due to a lack of communication? A simple lack of communication. For whatever reason, whether it's because we weren't taught when we were younger, or whether it's because somebody hurt us along the way, we've failed to communicate our thoughts, our feelings, our, our, our desires our fears, our concerns to our partners. We won't talk to them about how we're feeling on the inside. We won't talk to them about what's going on in our hearts and in our minds. Often is the case, and I'm talking to the believers, so so believers look right at me. Often is the case that our lack of communication to our partners demonstrates a lack of communication and trust with God. How often do we find ourselves trying to push back the issues and the problems that we have in an attempt to try to look good in the eyes of God? How often do we try so badly to, you know, push back the darkness by suppression in an attempt to look like the big bad Christians that we want to be. We want to have the faith of David. We want to have the faith of Paul. We want to have the faith of of, of Peter. We want to have the faith of Daniel. We want to have the faith of, of, of Noah. We want to have the faith of Moses. We want to have the faith of Joshua. We want to have the faith of Solomon. We want to have the faith of all these big, big, you know, heavy hitters in the in the in the faith. Never mind the fact that every last person I just mentioned. All had problems. All of them had problems. Peter denied Jesus, cut him a man's ear off. He was so doggone, so so gung ho to ready to go do something. Paul was out there killing Christians. You know he was so zealous in his belief in his in his thought and belief systems, killing folk like it's the Crusades, which is bad as well. You know, you know Moses. He he got so mad and frustrated with the people. He over here hitting rocks and not and instead of telling instead of speaking to the rock. Went out and killed a man because he was so upset what he was doing to the Hebrew to what he's doing to the Hebrews, you know. Noah, he was a drunk, and so after they got done with the ark, you know, he out there just drinking himself silly. His kids had to come and one of his kids had to come and cover his dark, cover his shame, you know. David, he had a whole man killed so he could have his wife after sleeping with her and getting her pregnant, you know. Basically, you know, that would that that wasn't right by any stretch. And yet these same people whose faith we want to be so big. Those are the people who we're who we're who we're whose faith we're trying to mimic. And as a result, we will suppress what's really going on underneath 
it won't really allow God into that space. We really won't allow God to enter into the spaces of vulnerability. We won't allow God to really, you know, dig into. And mind you, he already knows everything, right? He already, he already knows everything. But he, we won't let, let him dig, go digging into the issues and the problems that we really have. As a result of us not um, having that type of faith in God where we can see and deal with the issues that we have with him, we are less likely to talk to people about the issues that we have with them. Whether we have an issue with them or whether we're in lockstep with them, like in a relationship with them in which they should see and talk to and deal with our issues. Our lack of communication and our lack of trust in the people that we are in, in relationship with our spouses, our boyfriends, our girlfriends, it shows a lack of communication and trust with the creator. The more we trust in God and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ, the easier it should be to overcome the guilt and shame that we may feel, guilt and or shame that we feel for the issues and the problems that we have and be more vulnerable with our people so that they can know what's going on. Talk about this all the time, how a little problem that can be solved in a half hour, eating some wings, watching the game, can turn into monuments of issues that take years of therapy to overcome because we simply wouldn't have a conversation about the little thing. Had this man had a simple conversation with his girl about the fact that she was a little dry. She wasn't, she wasn't as precipitous as he had, you know, had he, as, as, as it would have been comfortable. Had he just been able to say, you know, I need to tweak that a little bit. How much further along in their relationship could they have been? It had just been able to be open and honest about what was going on. Knock that out in 10 minutes. Let's go, you know, let's go get do some research. Let's go get some lubricant. Let's go do something to make this work. But now you have this idea of, oh, I'm hurting her. She's hurting me. Stuck in your head so badly. Carrying it for four or five years that it is now defined your intimacy. So yeah, you do need to come to therapy now because now you got to work on that not being a part of your mantra, a part of your psyche when it comes to your intimate relationship. But again, it's more a communication issue than anything else. Because had you simply been able to say what needed to be said rather than trying to hide to protect trying to hide the defense. My wife has said this to me so many times and it still rings true to this day. It is better for you to go ahead and say what you need to say, even if it's going to hurt your person, than to hide it for them to find out much later. Because now you got to deal with two things. One, this issue itself. And two, the fact that you hid. The fact that you lied. The fact that you dismissed. The fact that you pushed away. The fact that you cast aside. Now you're dealing with two problems. Now you're dealing with two problems. 
And the second problem is worse than the first. Because the second problem produces insecurity. Produces lack of trust. Produces a desire to not want to talk. Produces wandering eyes. Because if you don't trust me, then why should I trust you? Even though we as the believers in God, because again, I'm talking to believers now. Even though the believers in God, we should we should not do eye for eye. Christ did away with that. He said, "If one give you give you, he hit one cheek, you turn the other. You, he asked for a cloak, you give him a tunic." I got this from my um from my kids for Father's Day. Kids gave this to me, um, but fathers, you know, like now you got me saying Father's Day, dang. Um, but you know, shouldn't we we should be we should we should be able to turn the other cheek. Give the tunic. They ask for one mile, we give two. But when we're hurt because our person didn't trust us with their vulnerability, didn't trust us with the issue, didn't trust us with the problem, we now, what else are you lying about? What else have you not told me? Are you really who I thought you were? And all of those things are valid questions to ask because you withheld it for how long? Four flipping years. I could imagine this woman saying, well, shoot, did you sleep with anybody else? You know, because, I mean, you you, I, you don't look like you're miserable. So is there somebody else you've been hollering at? Is somebody else you've been dealing with? Somebody else you've been sleeping with? Are you trying to compare me to other people that you've been with? And maybe that's the reason. Maybe that's the reason that. She ain't hot. She yeah, that you don't want to be with me because you keep comparing me to somebody you really want. And she has every right for those thoughts to ruminate because for four years you withheld this information from her. And so in the days where I wish she stopped talking about it. Well, you brought this in. You brought this up. You you made you made this happen. You brought this on. It can be mended. It can be fixed. But it's just gonna take time. And it may take some couples therapy, which is what I offered to him. It's going to take you some couples therapy to figure this out. If you want this relationship, if you want this marriage, if you want this thing, it's going to take some work. It's going to take some time. All things can be mended because if Christ could mend us, surely he can mend the relationship. He can save us from sin. He can save a relationship. But it takes work and it takes time. It takes work and it takes time. And so I bring that up and offer that up to us today to help us to remember that we as the believers in God, we don't operate in deception and secrecy. We operate in spirit and truth. And it's the truth that sets us free. Had he just told her from the get-go, you know, when we tried to get it on, the math wasn't mathing. How much farther along in their relationship, in their intimacy, could they have been? In your relationships with your spouses, with your boyfriends, your girlfriends, your friends, your co-workers, your family members, how much further along in your relationships do you think you could be if you could be open and honest with them about how you're really feeling about things? 
Now, tr now, trust and believe. Being open and honest doesn't mean that they're going to be open and honest back. So I'm not saying that, you know, if you give it to them, they're going to give it to you. I'm not saying that. But how much further along in your soul could you be if you just told them the truth? This is what you did. This is what I did. Or this is what I'm thinking. Or this is how I'm feeling. And I just needed to tell you. I don't know what to do about it. I don't know what, what we're going to do about it. I don't know how to deal with it, but I just needed to tell you, this is what I'm, this is how I'm feeling. This is what I'm thinking. And then we move forward from there. For many of us, we have a tendency to hold back to try to hold back our feelings and hold back our thoughts because we're so concerned about how it's going to make the other person feel. We got to overcome and rise above that. Because by and large, we are allowing too many people. We're we're allowing, we're not allowing too many people. We're allowing our we're we're not allowing ourselves the ability to be free. Reducing anxiety, producing depression, depress the you know um you know, all in all those feelings that we have, worry because we won't take the time to talk about what's going on with us. Now, as the person's asking below, how many times are you supposed to explain yourself? I say three, one for the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but that's just me. If you tell them one good time and then... The, 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 the issue is not about the telling them. The issue is about them making the change. Because for some people, change is hard. And so I often tell people, if you're in a situation where you've told a person over and over and over again, you know, the issue with a problem that's going on, and they're not showing you any significant progress or change, you got to decide when it's time to cut the cord. Had this guy that was in therapy who, you know, I was basically telling him, dude, you know, you've been to therapy five times and I've told you the same thing five times. You know, that change is slow and you got to do something. And so something, you know, as simple as make one simple change. He was like, I don't know if I can do that. Well, then you don't want it. You don't want it. Because at the end of the day, you got to want this. You got to want to change. And for some of us, we are, we are very content in our sadness. Very content with not. Not doing anything. Wallowing. And so if a person's going to sit there and wallow or sit there and just be like, I ain't going to change. I ain't going to grow. I ain't going to do that. Okay. I love you. Bye. We want to hold on to the relationship. We love them so much. And what would Jesus do? Jesus, Jesus would give people truth and then let them make up their own minds about what they want to do and let them pass and let them be. When he, when he fed the 5,000 in John chapter 5, everybody, woo Yeah! Food! I think, or either five or six. You know what? Got a whole Bible in front of me. I'm going to just read it to you. 
John chapter 6. Man fed the whole five, fed 5,000 people. 12 baskets left over. The food. Biggest fish fry ever. Without the grease. People come back to him the next day. People come back to him the next day. Want some more food. He tells them straight up, speed the speed version, I'm the bread of life. Eat of me, never go hungry again. Drink of me, drink my blood, you'll never, you, 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 your, your souls will be forgiven. Y'all came for food, I came to give you spirit. I came to get, I came to get your souls right. Verse 52, the Jews disputed among themselves saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to him, um, truly I say to you, unless you eat of the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true blood, and my blood is true drink. It's true food, I'm sorry. And my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father. So whoever feeds on me, he will also live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, in his, Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, Do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is of no help at all. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and life, but there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted to him by my Father. After this, verse sixty six, many of his disciples turned turned back and no longer walked with him. Jesus just told them the truth. What they choose to do with it is on them. We, the believers in God, must believe with that same same conviction when we tell people the truth about ourselves and walk through our vulnerabilities and walk through our issues and walk through our problems. All I can do is tell you the truth. All I can do is tell you All I can do is say, here it is. Girl, I think you might be a little dry down there. Not, no biggie. We can fix that. Instead of holding it for four years, not saying a word, having this girl be so insecure in her in herself, having this girl feel like maybe, maybe I'm the problem, maybe he's sleeping with somebody, maybe there's something wrong. I, Say how you feel. Say what you're thinking so that the relationship can flourish. Yes, this is a client that I had in therapy. Like, talk about your issues. Talk about your problems. You're creating mountains out of molehills by not speaking the truth. If, at that, if you say the truth up front, then if she decides, you know, oh my God, I can't believe you were saying that to me. Da, da, da. I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you the truth. I don't, you know, just 
then so be it. But if you're saying, I've been feeling like this for four years, 48 months, man, four Christmases? Like, come on, bro. Yeah, she should be upset. You withheld information from her. For four years. And as a result, she's actually furious. Have and has every right to be. I'm reminded of David and Bathsheba. David knew he shouldn't have messed with Uriah's wife. Bathsheba didn't want that. But because he's the king, who can say no to the king, right? And that wasn't a brag. She wasn't bragging. Ooh, who can say no to the king? It was, oh, shh. Who can say no to the king? Bathsheba gets pregnant. All David had to do was tell Uriah what happened and be done with it. Look, Uriah, um, you my boy. You my boy. Um, I messed up, man. I messed up. I'm sorry. Like, she was out there bathing and, you know... I um, you know, I wanted him. I'm the king, and I I I abused my power. Not, my bad, man. My bad. <clears throat> but no, I'm gonna get Uriah to sleep with his wife, so that way he can think it's his baby. And Uriah being such a good man, nah, man, my my boy's out there at war. I can't do this. I can't I can't get my wife like this. This ain't gonna work. Nah, I'm gonna sleep out. You know, I'm gonna wait for them to come home. Then me and my wife will do what we do. Tried it three, tried it twice. Like nah, so. David could have told him then, but no, nah, I'm gonna put him out in front of my lines of battle, even though he a general. Generals don't go out in front lines of battle. Where they do that at? They in the back, playing in the plotting. Send him to the front lines. Had that man killed. Oh no, Uriah's dead. Well, I guess Bathsheba's gonna need a husband now. Bring her in. All that could have been knocked out in a half hour eating some turkey legs and talking about, listen, bro, I am so sorry. You got every right to be mad at me. My bad, man. My bad. If we don't talk about our issues and talk about our hangups and talk about the things that are going on with us, we create bigger problems. It's the not speaking that causes our bones to waste away. It's the not speaking that causes us to act out of line and out of character. Especially for the believer. When we don't talk and we hide, that's not that's not Christian. That's not that's not being a Christian. We gotta communicate the issues and communicate the problems. Because that's what Christ has called us to do. To open confession is good for the soul. Confession is good for the soul. You can never talk enough. Can never talk enough about the issues. Because if we don't talk about the issues, don't talk about the problems, can't nothing get solved. I can't know what's going on in your heart, can't know what's going on in your mind if you don't tell me. I may be able to read it all over your face, but if you ain't talking to me, I can't I can't figure it out. We gotta talk about these things. We gotta confess. For it's good for our souls. Confession is good for the soul. Can't worry about your reputation or your ego. It's about your soul. It's about your soul. We've got to lay our pride aside and be vulnerable. 
so that through our vulnerability, we can grow. We can grow and learn together so that we can continue to be the people of God that God has called us to be. So if you find yourself in a situation where you're not able to really talk about the issues, talk about the problems, or you're trying to find ways to have healthier communication, I would suggest seeing a therapist, you know, and, and talking about ways in which to communicate those things. Also recommend, um, you know, you know, talk, th thinking through how to create safe spaces for opening communication with one another and working on those things as, you know, couple, as friends, as whatever, so that way you're able to better communicate the issues that you have. But more importantly, trusting in the finished work of Jesus Christ, who gives us the ability to confess our faults one to another by the power of love and forgiveness that he gave to us and secured eternally when he died on the cross. The same way he loved and forgave us is the same way we can love and forgive one another. The same way that he opens up the path for confession with him is the same way that we open compassion and, um, and confession with one another. So look to Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith, and allow him to be the shining, sterling example of how to live a life life that is um that is more transparent open and honest um with our brothers and sisters in the lord you're watching the true gospel morning show with your boy eddie d right here on tiktok live we're with you monday through friday 6 a.m to 8 a.m eastern standard time thank you so much for the one um for 1300 likes that we have received thus far thank you for the comments thank you for the shares thank you for the follows and we're certainly thankful for each and every one of you asking and praying that um, if you um, are if missed any part of this recording, you can go to Spotify and Apple Podcast and, and subscribe to the True Gospel Morning Show, the podcast. And um, feel free to re-listen to any and all episodes from the beginning of the show till now. We're so grateful for you, and we'll be right back in just a moment.
watching the True Gospel Morning Show right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Certainly thankful for the 1,300 likes that we have received thus far. Thank you for every comment, every follow, every share. Um, and certainly grateful to be among you guys this morning. So um, someone asked the question in the chat box, um, will, um, how will we face judgment? And was particularly asking the question in regards to children and how God's going to handle the judgment of children. Um, and so to talk about that, I want to turn to Romans chapter 2, um, starting at verse number 12. And so it's going to be a lot of reading, so just bear with me. And then by the time we get to the end of the reading, um, it should should start formulating in your head what the answer is, but we're going to talk about it anyway. Um, here we go. For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. And all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them on the day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. But if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God and know his will and approve what is excellent, because you are instructed from the law, and if you are sure that you yourself are a guide... To the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children, having the law in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth. You then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? While you preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law and dishonor God by breaking you who boast in the law, dishonor God by breaking the law. For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. For circumcision indeed is of value if you obey the law. But if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. For from So, if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? Then he who is physically uncircumcised but keeps the law will condemn you who have the written code in circumcision uh, but break the law. For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outwardly and physical. But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. So, topic sentence. Children will be judged according to how God views their hearts. Every person in the world is not going to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ before they die. Not everybody's going to have the opportunity, quote unquote, to choose Christ over, you know, themselves, the devil, whatever, whatever it is, whatever it is that you want to, whatever, however you want to spend that piece. Everyone's not going to have the opportunity to make the definitive choice based upon hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Therefore, 
God has made it a way. God has made a way for those who will never hear the gospel to still have an opportunity to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, hear me clear. This is strictly for people who have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Never heard it before. So if you've heard the, the gospel, and I'm about to tell it to you, Christ died for our sins. God of the universe descended down to um, descended to earth, lived the life that we couldn't live, died the death that we deserved, rose again, ascended to heaven, and is seated at the right hand of God, and it's coming back for us again. And if upon repentance and belief, we can be redeemed of all unrighteousness and have a restored fellowship and communion in relationship with Jesus Christ. That is one version of our gospel if you've never heard that before and made a choice thereof based off that that of that basic statement this is the caveat for you so again if you've never heard the gospel before this is for you if you heard the gospel this does not apply okay so we can't use this as our way of attempting to circumvent the gospel of Jesus Christ if we've heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Furthermore, if you withhold gospel so that other people may have an opportunity based on this, then you're mis then you're reading this wrong. So I need y'all to hear me say that. Okay, and this little bit of time that I have left. Now, having said all of that, God is going to look upon the person's heart and based upon how they are living out their intrinsic knowledge of right and wrong, whether or not they are worthy to be in his kingdom. All of us have an intrinsic knowledge of good and evil. Does that sound familiar to you? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. All of us have an intrinsic knowledge of good and evil, right and wrong, right and left, up and down. We all have an intrinsic knowledge of that passed down to us from our ancestors. All of us. All of us have that intrinsic, that intrinsic knowledge of right and wrong. So if by the intrinsic knowledge of good and evil... Never having heard the gospel before, we try, we choose to be the badass and we're going to do what we want to do and don't care about nobody's feelings, don't care about nobody's conscience. God's going to deal with that person accordingly. If we have an intrinsic knowledge of, 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 of good and evil and we've never heard about Jesus, never heard about God, never heard about salvation, none of those things, and we do things that are good, God is saying those people will be more worthy of heaven than those who know who Jesus is and still choose unrighteousness. Because it's not about the knowledge of God, but it's about doing the will of God. And that can only be done through the power of God resting, ruling, and residing in our hearts when he transforms the heart of stone and gives us a heart of flesh. 
Therefore, any child who has never heard the gospel before, any, any baby who has never heard the gospel before, God will deal with that child accordingly. God will deal with that child accordingly. We don't have a heaven or a hell to put anybody in. That's all God's work. And God will deal with children accordingly. Children are not growing. Your souls don't grow in the way that men and women, humans, grow. So I don't know what I'm going to look like when I get to heaven. I don't know what I'm going to look like in the new heavens and new earth. But I do know that my soul will inhabit a new body. A resurrected body. So whether it's this one or whether it's a different one altogether, my soul is still the same. The essence of the character nature of who I am is still the same. So, for children, that's God's work. And according to this, if they've never heard the gospel before, God's going to deal with them accordingly. But if they have heard the gospel and they repent and believe, then they're going to heaven. Whether they repent and believe at 4 or at 14 or whatever. At the end of the day, that's God's work. All that's God's work. Get out of God's business and let God do what God is going to do. For at the end of the day, that's God's job, not our job. If he wants the child to go to heaven, the child's going to heaven. Wants the child to go to hell, the child's going to hell. That's God's work, not our work. Our job is to preach and teach the gospel, pray that they pray, and hope that they that they hear it. If they do, yes, awesome. That's what's up. If they don't. Again, get out of God's business. For He's already created the He's already created the caveat category for those who never hear the gospel never hear about the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for us he's already created that box for them so if your child never hears the gospel if a child never hears of Jesus and never hears of the goodness of who he is and what he has done they're going to face the same judgment we face but they're going to face it in a different way than we who have heard the gospel and we choose not to believe. Remember, your judgment is not based on you anyway. It is not based on you. It's based on Christ and all that he's done. So we the believers have nothing to fear when judgment comes because Jesus has already paved the way. He already took care of that. So we're going to be walking to the gates. I'm not going to be walking to the gates afraid. I'm walking in joyously because Christ already covered all that for me. I'm not, I'm not going to face judgment and fear. I'm facing judgment and excitement because all he's going to do is see Jesus and be like, come on in. Boom. I got my ticket. It's covered through Christ. And if we're believers in Christ, we should believe the same way. If we are the believers in Christ, we should believe that God's got us. And in that same vein, 
you know, we give our children as early as we can the gospel. And the gospel is so simple, a baby can understand it. So again, we give it to them as early as possible, but do not fret if for whatever reason your child may be cut short prematurely. Because at the end of the day, God's got a loop, God's got, I'm not going to call it a loophole, but he's got a caveat for those who never get to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. So you can rest, Christian. He's created a caveat for that. So take heart. If you're grieving the loss of a child and wondering whether or not they made it into the kingdom, God's already got that covered. So rest. If it's meant for if it's meant for your child to be a part of the kingdom, you will see your child again. Regardless of whether they heard the gospel or didn't, depending upon whether they chose to believe in Jesus. You know, God's got that covered. So get out of God's business and just preach and teach the truth. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show right here on TikTok Live with your boy Eddie D. Certainly thank you guys for the 1,300 likes that you've given us today. Um, thankful so much for all of you who have given me this opportunity to be able to speak to y'all today. Um, let me see if I can find it. Um, so, in the last segment of today, um, I want to talk to you guys about... Um, 24 inmates getting their college degrees, some good news, something praiseworthy, something to, to cheer about, um, in the name of the Lord. And so I wanted to bring this up with you guys, um, just to give us some good news. Cause with all the bad news that's going on in the world today, we certainly could use some good news every now and then this, uh, this came out of California. It says 24 prison inmates get college degrees and graduate together. Thanks to UC program quote, I literally feel free. This is coming from Andy Corby on October 5th. In California, prison inmates are preparing to make their second chance count by studying toward a college degree while incarcerated. Yesterday, 24 inmates in caps and gowns at the Richard J. Donovan Correctional Facility in San Diego graduated with associate's degrees in sociology and liberal arts before a ceremony honoring their commitments. The degrees were provided and issued by Southwestern College via the Restorative Justice Program of California State, which allows prisoners to study face-to-face -face with teachers while incarcerated. So far, the program has helped over 1,500 people better their chances for a successful societal reentry by increasing their employability, skill sets, and knowledge. Quote, I never had the dreams or aspirations to even think about higher education, so it's truly an honor to be able to pursue education and find purpose and meaning for my life despite my environment, program graduate Derek Adams told NBC7. Adams is serving a life sentence with the possibility of parole. Quote, I literally feel free through the pursuit of my education already, so that's why the concept of a life sentence really doesn't apply anymore, he added. Being system impacted myself. I understand firsthand the importance of the restorative justice program and its power to truly shape the lives of incarcerated individuals seeking to better themselves, said Raquel Funches, interim director of restorative justice, who added that almost all 24 graduates are transferring to four-year degree programs for the University of California, Irvine. Quote, while incarcerated at R.J. Donovan, these students now have the amazing opportunity to transfer to UC Irvine's Leveraging Inspiring Futures Through Education Degrees Programs on um, the first in prison, the first in prison 
BA degree completion program in the University of California system. NBC7 reports that prisoners re-entering society are 48% less likely to return to prison over a three-year period. And so I just say congratulations. I commend those um, those men for being able to graduate those programs, being able to get their education, and I'm thankful for programs like that who give people an opportunity to be able to better and further their lives. That just because you're incarcerated does not mean that it is the end of your life. That you can still be free even when you're locked up. If Jesus has taught us anything, is that freedom is a state of mind. And it's and if we really think about it, it's a state of the soul. If you if you feel like you are in you may feel like you're a prisoner of your situation or a prisoner of your circumstances, but Christ says the truth shall make you free. That truth being Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And Christ makes us all free. So I'm grateful that they didn't let their chains um, dictate, you know, their futures. And as a result, they've all graduated from their associate's degrees, getting their associate's degrees, and are now moving on to get their four-year degrees. And who knows what the future may hold for them moving forward. And so again, that should inspire all of us to get to know our God, to grow in him and to grow in our in in the purpose that he's given us of glorifying his name through the places and the situations and the circumstances that he's placed us in. None of us have to stay bound. None of us have to stay stuck. You can be free. You can move and you can have a better way of life for yourself. And so we're grateful and thankful to those um for those who have had the opportunity to be able to get their degrees and to be able to do what they're getting ready to do moving forward in their lives. And so I'm grateful and excited to report that to y'all and grateful that we've had this opportunity to be able to share and spit some knowledge and truth with one another throughout this show. Thank you so much for watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D. We're thankful for the 1,300 likes that we've gotten today. Thankful for every like, every comment, every follow, every share. Thank you all to my day ones who have been rocking with me since the um, since the inception. Thank you so much for your viewership. Thank you for those who have been watching the entire time. If you came in through different segments, if you uh, have missed any part of this recording, you can go to Spotify and Apple Podcasts right now and listen to the True Gospel Morning Show, the podcast, and catch up on any past episodes that we've had. Again, thank you for the gifts that you have that you have given to this as well. And if you have the time, I'll be with you guys for a few extra minutes on, on, on overtime right here on the True Gospel Morning Show. As always, if you can't see the good, be the good. I love you guys. Peace out, homies. <laughs>